0: Hi, this is Mary and welcome to my podcast Mental State where I dive into all things mental health and more. So today I invited my friend Jacqueline on the podcast and we are going to talk about being single and why there is such a stigma around that. Jacqueline and I were talking about dating and everything that is around that. And I was telling her that I had this girlfriend that is really having a hard time with being single. She is not alone. <laughs> uh, uh, the consensus is, is mutual out there. And I've
1: noticed that people seem to be struggling uh, more than ever with this. In, and... in
0: all age groups, 20s, yeah. 30s, 40s, 50s, yep. 50s,
1: 60s. Doesn't seem to matter. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say for myself, uh, I was single for many years. And when I turned uh, 40, I had a total meltdown around being single and feeling like a failure. I didn't, I didn't have children. Um, I wanted that for myself and I really expected to be with my partner. And I, I struggled for most of the year until at one point I realized that I was making things almost worse for myself by being so hard on myself and so sad that I was almost stuck in the kind of spiral around what's wrong with me? How can I fix this? There's something, you know, and I was unable to take in like the good around me, uh, have gratitude in any capacity. And I was just, it, it It actually exacerbated my insecure attachment style.
0: Oh my gosh. And you know what is even worse? And that just can make that so much worse. Just like looking at Instagram and, and all the all the happy, like living my best life couples and their like perfect children. And when, you know, I know that like at a point, like when I was single and looking at social media and looking at these types of pictures, it would just like send me into a total spiral.
1: It it really did for me. And I felt like all these people were moving on and yet Mm. I wasn't quote unquote moving on. And what was wrong with me that like, why couldn't I get it together? I'd done all this work on myself. And Yet I was still stuck. And I see, you know, of course, the what is it? The perfect moment moment only snapshot. And right. You know, that comparison is such a good trigger for the anxiously attached part of us. Right. Because the anxious part of us is looking outside ourselves
0: in order to feel that sense of security. It's such a shame bomb, too. Right. It's like I just, you know, just kind of like Picturing just looking at the looking at social media and just just sort of like, uh, it's so cringy, just thinking about how much shame uh kind of parallels that experience of you know this this wanting right, this wanting of connection and and family and and living out what you know you thought was going to be your life, yeah, yeah, there was a
1: lot of grief around it, yeah and that that was some of the work that I had to do. But if you don't consciously process your grief, what you end up doing is just kind of continuing or continue to re-traumatize yourself. And I was living in that for a while. It was a certain, a, a familiar sense of sadness. And so for any of you out there, like looking to create more security, as you go through your journey, there's a real difference between that consciously processing feeling versus dropping into the familiarity of certain negative uh, spiral emotions that are really like it's an emotional memory and that's what i consider part of the survival mm-hmm. response mm-hmm. and you know that shame piece that you want uh, you brought up uh i wanted to say this real quick i think underneath shame is disconnection it's really a desire to be connected and it's natural right it's natural to want partnership and 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 i remember feeling that there. You know, I kept hearing, oh, you should you should be fine, you should be happy being single, but I'm like, I want it it's natural to want to be connected to somebody." And I did have this deep sense of loneliness when loneliness and shame is the root of the anxiously attached part of us.
0: And And you know what double downs on that shame is when uh, somebody said, you know, friends say like, "Oh, but I don't understand. How can you not meet anyone? Yeah. Like, you're so pretty, you're so smart." Your you your life is totally together. Why is it so? I don't understand. Why is it so hard for you to meet someone? You know, that reminds <laughs> me of I, I had to do a lot of work
1: around um, repairing the relationship with my father. It was it was Robbie there for a while. And one time he and my mother were visiting me and my dad could definitely have the way of expressing whether he means it or not of this way of kind of, well, you're doing something wrong if you're single. You should just meet someone, anyone. And I would let and <laughs> swipe. Anyone. Yeah, basically, you know, it all of a sudden, all standards out the window. Oh. But then the funny thing is, is if I met someone, he'd flip it. And all of a sudden it was like, I should have all these standards, right? And so you see the just kind of disorganized way of communicating with me, which was unintentional, of course, really, he cared about me, but he, his his skills around that weren't.
0: And what I love I. about that word standards is like, what were his standards? So what i they they're from... actually the
1: same as mine that's the thing that was the beauty of oh. it is when he started looking at the apps with me he was we were totally aligned in like who seemed like a um, yes swipe right and who seemed like a no and it was very validating for me that that it was I, i'm not doing
0: anything wrong right <laughs> that, you know that it was just these are the options of. so you and in. your dad have the same dating standards interesting Perfect. <laughs> <What? laughs> no i love it but and also when i but and i i just want to so Maybe this is just my kind of like projection or transference around this. But when I think of the word standards, I think of like, OK, and, and these things are important to me. I'm not saying that they're not. But what I'm thinking about is like, OK, this person has like a good job. They own a car. You know, they have they come from a good family. So it's just, you know, it's like this list of things because I know that I have my list. Oh, yeah. We're we're told to to get that list. Yes, to have the list. And and nothing (laughs) on that list said, I want to feel seen. I want to connect. I want to feel a certain way around this person. It was all so much more like material.
1: And I think, you know, when we look at the insecurely attached parts of us, whether it's the anxious side or the avoidant or the disorganized, right, which is that push pull, the both of those, it's there is that sense of disconnection, right? Because the nervous system has only learned to or been reinforced in those moments to respond from a place of survival. And underneath that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, like the heavy anxiety or the avoidance, whatever it is, is an authentic uh, emotion. And when we learn to connect to what that is, the experience shifts. And what I heard you say around, I have my list. I already see in, if, I ma- if you're making the list, Just based on these external things and you've lost the connection to the feeling, that right there is you're already in your insecure attachment.
0: Right. And I think what was helpful with that list was that it also kept me in more of being like on the avoidant part of my disorganized attachment, because if the person didn't have everything on that list or 80 percent of the things on that list and it was like, no, not going to I'm not even going to go down that road. So it really kept me confined in this little world that I had built for myself instead of being able to kind of, hey, maybe venture out, maybe try something different. It's like, nope, that doesn't work for me. Not going to try it. So it really kind of served my avoidant tendencies.
1: And that even I think about, I you know, I had identified so much with the anxious side of me that yearned for partnership, but I had that other side that was very rigid around you know, these specific things. And I'd been on the flip of let me have no, you know, no requirements whatsoever. And it was all very confusing of like, okay, I'll just give anybody a shot. And then I had these standards and I was like, I know that doesn't work for me. But really what it was when I look at certain partners where I was like, I know that doesn't work, it was actually I could connect to the feeling around that, like, but my head would flip it and instead it would become like the way that I would express things Uh versus like, you know, a a kind of secure relationship with myself would come out all wonky. And so it would look uh, or be expressed as so much more rigid. So when I was talking with people, it was kind of reinforcing the messaging that I was doing something wrong, as well as looking for perfectionism. And perfectionism is associated with uh, the anxious part of us, right? Like it's like this way or the highway, that's it. And that's, that's this has got nothing to do with secure attachment. <laughs> you know, this is what is like, uh, perfectionism, it's a fantasy. And we're in fantasy, we are not securely connecting to ourselves.
0: Yeah. And I was just thinking about some times when I would just really push people away, push people that I was dating away, even though I so badly wanted to connect with them because they didn't fit into whatever ideal person that I saw myself being with, even though I don't even know if that person existed. But it's kind of like if I was with that ideal person, then being with that person would make me feel better about myself because I was incapable of giving that to me. I was incapable of making myself feel better about myself. Like I needed another person to do that. But it had to be a specific type of person.
1: And that to me here, like the anxious side is what I hear in Mm -hmm. that. If I need a specific kind of person, right? Like the anxious side is like looking, right, for the external in order to define the sense of self, right? Because remember, the root says, I'm not enough, right? And that was my mantra.
0: (laughs) We're (laughs) married. Meditation Monday, I'm not enough.
1: (laughs) Oopsie. (laughs) But that's the thing is, right, I love that you said it was your mantra and how conscious were you even of that at the time. Right. And absolutely
0: know, not conscious of that whatsoever. And
1: going back to the trauma of being single. Right. Like it's so insidious, the messaging that there's something wrong with us if we are or the flip side of I, I've got this. I, you know, I'm so in me. I know blah, blah. I don't need anybody. What's with all those needy people? This is so avoidant in the way that I'm speaking. When do all these people care? I'm fine I'm independent. We're not talking about something wrong or right with being single, we're talking about a way of processing it and the effects that, you know, uh, things larger than us in certain ways, like will also affect our attachment styles, right? Like meaning uh, stigmas can cause us trauma and trauma will affect our attachment style.
0: Well, I mean, I just got something that uh, just came up for me was that uh, when I had taken an unintended break from dating I was at this point where I was saying to my friends, like, what's wrong with me? I haven't found anyone to date. Oh, my gosh. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I was there was so much anxiety around it. And then the person that I ended up being with after that was a love bomber. And so it's just kind of interesting to reflect that I'm not enough feeling The anxiety that is swirls around that in that I'm not enough feeling. And then what you were saying is like, oh, I threw any kind of like list out the window. I'll just take anyone at that point. And that's how I felt. It was like, okay, I'll just take anyone because I don't want to be single, which kind of goes back to what you were saying, that it did feel like a real trauma.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and I think, you know, for those of you out there, like if you are single, the first thing is you want to look at your relationship being uh, with being single, right? Mm-hmm. Like in which direction is it? is it running avoidant? Is it running anxious? Because what we're looking for is leaning into the discomfort wherever it is, right? And remember, the avoidant side of us is going to be like neutral. Like I'm totally fine. There's no discomfort here. I'm fine being single. So the discomfort would be in... What is this? I would I invite you to ask yourself: What is this neutrality protecting me from? Right? What, what's underneath that? Right? Because that is the survival response. And if you're running anxious, it's digging into what's beneath this. Uh, there's something wrong with me. What's that protecting you from? Which might just be like real grief, right? And once we process the grief, the trauma doesn't carry the same weight, right? Because your work, whether you're single or attached is to move into that secure part of yourself, right? Like that part you can control to create a secure relationship within yourself, a healthy relationship. And that's gonna involve some discomfort around uh, leaning into feelings that might not be so comfortable for you.
0: And I also wanna say that taking a break and wanting to work on yourself is different than what we're talking about in terms of the discomfort, right? The either the avoidant part or the... Uh, anxious part. So if you're really taking like a conscientious break of, hey, I want to be single. I want to work on myself because I actually really want to figure out what type of partner do I want in my life? Who do do I want to partner with? How do I want that person to, how do I want to feel around that person? What kind of life do I want to build and being more intentional around it? So I do want to say that there is a difference between being like intentionally single and knowing that, and being avoidant, right, yeah. or yeah. anxious.
1: And I, I remember I took a break for um, being single. Uh, from uh, I took a break from dating. Um, I did that a couple times for mm-hmm. like a year at a time here or there in my thirties, and I was doing so much work on myself. And you know, was I was looking at the questions that you you. Propose, Mary. And because I hadn't dealt with my deeper trauma, which was that root of the insecure attachment style, I have to say nothing moved for me. And there was a time where I grieved those years that I gave up being single uh, because I was single intentionally because I wasn't really getting the help I needed at the time. So it's important as you consciously pursue wherever you're going to really check in with yourself of, does this feel right for me? Because that advice was given to me by people who had their own relationship problems who actually were in relationships, but they weren't understanding what, what my piece was. And I had such, you know, uh, low self-esteem around dating because I'd experienced so much prior trauma that like nobody was helping me with that part. And so if that's part of your story, I really encourage you to make sure that you're connecting. You mentioned, you said it so well, right? the feeling place, like, what would I like to feel? And, and leaning into My discomfort. So again, going back to, if I'm feeling that familiar spiral of shame or pitfall of despair, that might be the marker right there of what's beneath that. That can be the survival response, right? Like that is a form of of anxious, uh, anxious attachment.
0: And I love that piece where you were saying because I think that this is also a bit of a caveat, kind of a warning about like, okay, I'm going to take a break and work on myself and get clear. But I think like the fact that you had tried to do that, and I know that you had said this before you, you made this reference, like you weren't moving the needle. And so I'm kind of curious, like what shifted for you in terms of like realizing that this wasn't, you know, the work that you were doing in therapy and, and all of these other practices that you were engaged in, what was the thing that clicked for you where you're like, oh, this is not. Of this thing or that thing. This is actually this is actually rooted in my attachment
1: style. Uh, <laughs> honestly,
0: after grad school,
1: I was taking a continuing education training on something and, uh, uh, that I was interested around, and I didn't even quite understand it, but I had heard this woman speak, and she said she is certified in teaching somatic attachment repair. I was like, "I don't really understand what that is, but let me look it up." And I started this continuing education. And I had learned a little bit about attachment in grad school, and I thought I understood it, but I didn't really. Not really. Uh, and I started taking that training, and it hit me like um, an explosion of stars, I would <laughs> say. It was a good explosion. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is what I've been missing the mm-hmm. whole time. This is why it's like, I kept the getting- aha moment. Yeah. It was like, in essence, I kept going to different doctors, per se, right. but they weren't doctors, like getting misdiagnosed, and maybe all of that absolutely informed my practice as a therapist but it really missed the mark on me personally and once i started learning to connect to my body myself and creating that sense of safety within me that's when things changed and that's why i'm so passionate about attachment repair and really do believe it's the root of everything because i had done so many other things and they were helpful but they didn't really shift what was going on inside me and once i started to repair that piece what it did is it allowed me to go back to a state of lightness that I had in my early 20s where, yes, I grew up with some childhood. I definitely had some like, you know, childhood trauma. And then I had some other trauma like later on in my, in my late 20s. But in my early 20s, I had a lot of fun around dating and lightness and like kind of knew my boundaries. And, you know, I was healthy in, in a lot of ways. And I had to uh, reconnect to that part of myself. And once I had that and stopped the perfectionism, was more connected to my felt state underneath the anxiety, then my dating life started to shift.
0: Yeah, it's also like, I mean, for me, I did have trauma in childhood that informed the way I was in a lot of different relationships and kind of flip-flopping in my attachment style. And for me, what shifted was creating that sense of safety within myself, like just feeling, what, feeling really okay with who I am And also shifting that mantra from I don't matter to I matter. Like I am important. So my feelings matter. And so and really, really believing in that and coming at coming to those like realizations from a very grounded place. And so now it's like going going out and about in the world and just feeling like a sense of who I am and feeling very like grounded and connected to who I am as a person makes these like huge shifts, huge shifts. And I love that you were talking about like the somatic piece because- that means body,
1: for those of you out there, that means connection with body, just that everyone's clear.
0: I was about to say that. Well, anxious. Someone runs anxious. Um, so I gave her her a little moment in the sun. Um, and so yeah, really connect. You're welcome. (laughs) So connecting to that, uh, to that, that felt sense in your body, because to me, like when I, you know, when I feel anxious, it's in my chest, shortness of breath and being like, Oh, this is a sign that my anxiety is starting to rev up. So that's really important. And when I reflect back and I can look at some past relationships and just like, whoa, I was so anxious in that relationship. And just even reflecting on what my body felt like in that relationship. It's like, it's like when you, when someone says like, oh, I have a gut feeling about something. And so just tuning into those feelings and sensations when you are around people, just kind of notice like what happens in your body when you're around certain people, especially as if you run anxious in relationships.
1: The reason that is so important is because in essence, our bodies, remember how I talked about the nervous system, it runs on two needs, the need to connect and the need to survive. And when we run from a place of secure, um, secure attachment, both of those needs are aligned, right? And we can hold both at the same time. Insecure attachment runs from the place of need to survive, right? It trumps the need to connect. So the, uh, the need to connect kind of gets suppressed and buried, and the survival response runs high, right? And so when we're in that state, we actually, in order to survive, become disembodied. And then the body starts to clock. It's not a safe place to feel my experience, to know my experience inside. And I did grow up. This is what led mm-hmm. me to some of my, my traumas, is that I didn't have that kind of uh, felt sense of, uh, complete felt sense of safety
0: growing up, right? Yeah. And it, and it can be just like, it can just be very um, messages that seem mm-hmm. innocuous. But when, when, you know, when your are parent, you know, when you're experiencing something and you're communicating it to your parent and they're like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about or stop feeling that way or feel something else or-
1: Cheer up, be happy, don't be sad. Cheer or, up, be happy, or yes. just like
0: really minimizing your experience. And also like, minimizing the fact that you know that you're having an experience and then telling you telling when you get told that you're not having that experience
1: and this is a really important factor just because your parent does that doesn't mean your parent doesn't love you what it means is your parent is experiencing their own dysregulation and they are responding with the insecure attachment that they were given right so it's it's an essence of one doesn't have enough of the the proper tools to attach in a secure way, it's it's not to do with the love part, and that's why we can often say, "Well, I feel so confident in all these other areas, or right, yeah. you know, I'm fine over A, B, and mm-hmm. C." What's the problem here? Why is that happening? Right?
0: And then that in- their insecure style gets in the way of that attunement.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, and so going back to the body piece with that word attunement that you mentioned, Mary, is when we learn to be attuned to our own experience. Whether it's painful or joyful or multiple things at once, the, the body, yes, the body starts to learn that it's safe to have that experience inside. Mm-hmm. And then we learn to trust ourselves. And then we learn that we can be connected, right? Even while we need to survive, right? Then, then that's when we're living in that, that secure place, right? And that's what we have to, why we need to dig beneath, you know, the, the messaging of, oh, if I'm feeling like there's something wrong with me because I'm single ding, ding, ding. That's your moment to do the work. If I'm feeling these familiar pits of despair, that's, that's a clue to do the work. If you, you notice your avoidant pieces that we talked about, like that's going to be your sign to do the work, right? Like it's going to get look different depending on how you run.
0: So I think we should transition it into, uh, let's give like three tips about what to do in terms of being in this trauma of being single
1: The first thing I would say is to really I'm going to say to create awareness around how that shows up, like what kind of messaging have you received and what kind of messages do you tell yourself? Right, That awareness piece, it's hard to make progress without that. And I'm also going to say awareness around how you respond with that, that inner anxious part or inner avoidant. That's going to be my first one. What do you
0: have? I'm just going to say, I mean, I just love the fact I just love thinking about leaning into those feelings Right, and so doing a lot like just kind of piggybacking on what you were saying, like noticing the feelings and leaning into the feelings and not running away from the feelings, being with the feelings. Really, uh, I think that that can be really helpful too.
1: There's this this phrase: "The healing is in the feeling," and it's really true because you cannot be fully secure if you are unable to be embodied in your experience. You have to have that felt. Sense that felt connection, right, and have the ability to support that, and that's going to be my with the
0: third would
1: be learning to support whatever you're feeling, and the way I like to do that is I like to you know say feeling your feelings, like you mentioned, Mary, and I like to imagine them as like little people in front of me, as like a group, and what does that group need to feel supported, and whatever answer comes to to me, I hold in my mind's eye mm-hmm. of, of, of maybe sometimes I can generate it towards myself. But I just hold it as kind of like this is my, my inner compass and guide. And that tends to kind of naturally shift things and at least keep me in that, that, that progressive direction. So that's going to be my third is like uh, exploring what those, those feelings need to be supported.
0: Yeah, like sitting with the feeling, exploring the feeling, and just seeing where the feeling goes and what it shifts into. Yeah.
1: So for all you out there who are single... There is, there is hope yet. And I really uh, look forward to hearing more comments and questions. We love to, to respond and happy dating.
0: So feel free to send anything to me at Mary B Therapy on Instagram, or you can visit me on the web at com. And thanks for listening.